0: And thanks for joining us tonight. We appreciate the uh, time you spend with us. And tonight, we have the great pleasure of having the Calvary's County's head building official, Doug Oliver, with us. And we're going to talk building, right? Absolutely. <laughs> thanks <laughs> now for to, st- now to start with, give us a little bit of background uh, on yourself and uh, and how, how you hit, how you ended up here. And it, tell...
1: Well, I've uh, been in this industry since uh, 19... Ninety-seven. I got out of the military and I was looking for uh, something meaningful to do. Public service was uh, was growing into my lifestyle. Yeah, and it was suggested. Why don't you uh, try being a building inspector? My dad was a, a framer his whole life, and he said, "Look, don't so you break, grew don't, up in the trades? So yeah, he said, yeah. don't, don't break yourself. Those inspectors seem to know what's going on." And so I said, "Yeah, let, let me look into that." And uh, I started in Turlock as a permit technician, and I, I worked myself up. Through the ranks, uh, it was the first building official position was uh, in Hollister, briefly, ah. and, uh, and then I took a job working for Tuolumne County, which I was there for 12 years, and uh, after 12 years of working in that county, I decided that uh, I wanted to try something new, Yeah. and uh, this opportunity came up, and uh, the, uh, the board saw something in me that they thought they could use, so they brought me in, so here you go.
0: Very nice. And we talked, we told them this before we started with mention on the, um, during the recording as well, is whenever I talk to, um, contractors, if I'm out to bump into a contractor, I always ask them, how, how's the county treating you? How's the county, and you've got high marks and want to say thank you, you know, make it to where, you know, it's a, um, and that's always a, a good thing to hear, you know, from the. The guys in the trades and the contractors—that it's—you know—I think they see a lot of it as a, as a
1: team now to put out a good, a good product at the end. So that's. Uh, well, yeah. I, I really appreciate hearing that. My staff has uh, worked very hard to to make some yeah. changes to reach out and, and, and partner yeah. with the contractors. So it's really, really something good that I can bring back to them and, and tell them they're uh. they're doing well.
0: <laughs> now I'm just guessing. There's there's probably some contractors that you know that you don't need to watch them, and there's probably a few of them that's like, well, we better make sure is that part of the, you know, is...
1: Well, well not necessarily. All right. Uh, ultimately, there's a, a standard for, for how we do the work. Right. And, and right. over time, you know, building departments evolve. Um, the, the building department of the 80s is, is not the building department of, of the, you know, our, right. our current time. And yeah. Codes change, methods change, technology changes, but uh, you know, one of the things that I, I like to stress is that um, how we treat customers is the same across the board. We have a job to do, uh, and, and instead of it being enforcement driven, we're education driven. Right. Uh, because of the amount of codes that are out there now, it's not so much this is how you do it. Uh, Well, there's three or four different methods now, so I see something that could benefit you, let's talk about that. So even the inspectors in the field were learning that giving people the information they need, they're going to nine times out of ten make sound choices Mm -hmm. and and in any given situation start in a position of trusting that individual. Right. And so that's, I think that's done a lot for us as far as building that partnership with the builders. Yeah, and no, you've had high marks, and thank you for that. Well, thank you.
0: Um, one of the reasons we we wanted to talk to you tonight was housing affordability, and as an example, um, I live in Arnold, and next door to me, they're building a 3,300 square foot custom home, and we heard from that they're, I think they're, being charged about 350 bucks a square foot, and wow. on it, and so you figure that's 1.15, you know, million and. And it's it's a nice home, but I don't know from the outside. It doesn't look like a million dollar home, you know. And I guess we're now hearing all the horror stories about. Um, you know, I think there's the 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 younger generations coming up. Is there is a real sense that if it's a young family coming up that wants to have a home of their own, raise some kids and stuff like that, there's a sense that you can't do that in California anymore you either have to leave or you know and one of the reasons I want to try is you've had a passion for this right isn't this one one of your you know as far as making it to where there's a pathway in a way where it's it's still possible if people are willing to put in some work and stuff it's, it's,
1: tell me tell us about that well I'll, I'll just start with I'll just start with the beginning sure I have a copy of the 1994 building code yeah uh, that I keep right next to my desk. I mean, it's, it's in plain sight. The book is about this tall. And it's tiny. It's only about that thick. That, was, that used to be w- what we used yeah. in 1994. Yeah, and there was electrical codes and things. But that was how you built the house. That's the structure. That's the safety. Um, that was also the last year that they had a particular sentence in the scoping. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but it essentially says that it is not the intent of this code to establish a special class or category of citizen that could benefit uh, from the use of this code. That, ever since 1994, that has not been in the code. Now, code cycles change and code uh, manufacturers change, you know, the the Building Standards Commission prints them every three years, you know, adopts the changes in the state, but that, that sentence was lost. And it never sat well with me because you can see as technology changes and laws and regulations changes, often because of of, uh, natural disasters or significant injury, Uh, fair to say. But by taking that out, we forget that we have to balance the safety and the personal responsibility and the rights of the individual. And I think part of the reason why the, the board pointed me to this position was because I, I shared their, their passion for uh, you know, personal property rights. So in any chance I get here seeing the march of technology, the march of the cost to build things, I have to represent the public, uh, represent the community that, that I was appointed to you know, to help educate in this process and find some way to get them through it so that we maintain what they took out of the code because it's still important. Just because it's not written there doesn't mean that it isn't an important value. And so every chance I get when a new code comes forward, I say, okay, how is this going to affect the community? And then how do I give them ways to negotiate it to lessen the impact financially or lessen the impact as far as um, additional equipment or additional time? Right. So, I mean, that, starting with that basic, and I like to bring it out in front of other building officials. Hey, remember when this was important? Because the cost, when they invent something new and they all want it, you don't know, recognize that maybe that could be important in a high density community like Los Angeles. Right. Where or a nece- fire. Or necessary. Or necessary, in a, yes. In a high density, mean, I density. think part of the thing that's lost also is, is the high density populations, okay, necessitate additional regulations because of the greater potential for harm. Right. But when you have a a lower density population, there's also a higher degree of personal responsibility that they, as an individual citizen, you acknowledge about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's a dangerous world. Mm -hmm. So any chance we can get, we afford and recognize that you're an adult. If we educate you, you're going to make the right decision. Now let's see if we can Find you through the process into a home, right, right.
0: And has and has some of this, and I think maybe I'm wrong, but you get a sense in California is we've marched down a path to where a lot of the new burden, you know, uh, you know, systems or buildings that they've specified needed to be in new facility, new homes. But now we're seeing where the housing affordability is spiraled to the point to where, you know, now we're seeing, you know, the rise in the homelessness and a lot of that stuff, a lot of that's probably substance driven. But you're seeing this, there's a real break here to where people see, now you see with the accessory dwelling units, you see all of the stuff, you know, driving forward on that. Um, yeah, I think that. Is there a possibility now that you start seeing some, some realism in Cal, even in California, they need to know that, okay, we're gonna have to make some changes or some adjustments on it or no?
1: Well, this may sound controversial, but as you see the march of time and the march of codes and the march of regulations that add things to buildings for safety. Yeah you begin to recognize that those regulations are applying a rule across the state and not recognizing what we just talked about yeah yeah and then at some point they hit a tipping point and they can't get people to build enough housing now it's not just building regulations but planning regulations right. and, Sequa and right. there's so many right. other things right. that right. stand behind and, yes. and trip up development but when it comes to building construction if you watch this happen and then you watch a bunch of regulations get signed into law telling everyone if it's an accessory dwelling unit you're a renter we're going to take these safety rules and throw them aside in my mind that says once again we're creating a second class of citizen Mm -hmm. if you can afford to build a home you're going to build it to the highest possible standard if you can afford to, good on you. If you can't, that individual can build a smaller home on the property, maybe not have to comply with as many regulations and you can rent that out, but you can't have this. And that that bothers me. Right. It's better to just say, how about all these regulations that we put on the books, why don't we make them uh, adoptable by the local jurisdictions and let each county and city decide what is best for their population density and best for their fire service and their police services. And you know, you can build this to where everybody gets what they want, right, and then open up the housing for everyone so that instead of renting something that you may not be technically as safe, they can choose their level of safety and still maintain a safe community.
0: Now you helped push something like that through at Calaveras County didn't you? And as far as an ordinance it is
1: for Calaveras? Yes.
0: yes. Yes. Tell us about that. Tell us about that ordinance. What was the owner builder ordinance or what was? Yes. The,
1: yeah it was uh, regulations for limited density owner built rural dwellings. Okay. And this has some very deep roots, roots in the, uh, the state. The, uh, the language you put into state law when governor brown was governor the first time and the state attorney general said by necessity we need a way for people to experiment with products materials uh, and and be able to build what they want to live in in environments where the impact to uh, life safety at the public scale is really reduced right so all a, sta- all a county has to do is recognize they have a rural component and then enact this through their own ordinances and you can you can take advantage of it and what that allows an individual to do is they can take a uh, uh, they can take the codes and use them for the basis of approval not not a hard fast rule and what right. that means is anything that is is required because of safety Um, That's the part we pay attention to. So, for instance, a person could decide to build a home and say, "Uh, I don't want an outlet every 12 feet. I want one outlet per room. And we make sure the electrical is safely installed. Um, They can decide uh, they don't want to have fire sprinklers. They want to increase the fire safety uh, by design of the the walls. Okay, let's look at that. Uh, There are individuals that would rather just you know, find a way to make a tough shed livable. OK, let's sit down and talk about that. Because the, the, the general premise is you go back to the basic rules of what is a, uh, is or is not a substandard dwelling. Right. If you can show me that that is not right. substandard by a set of 10, 15 rules on the books at the state, then let's work with you. And what that does is that allows a person to exercise their property rights. Decide maybe it, it opens the door for tiny homes. It opens the door got for it. new yeah. technologies. Yeah, I have someone right now that wants to bring forward a, uh, basically an instant house. It's concrete impregnated. They pop it out like a giant tent, spray water on it. And bam, you got a house fascinating stuff would have never flown. Right. Okay, this gives us an right. opportunity to say, let's try this technology. Show me, show me what makes it safe, and let's and let's work on that.
0: Well, hasn't it been? I mean, the standard is. I mean, the needs of a human. You need to be warm, safe, and dry. But that's been the standard for five hundred years, right? I mean, is, I mean, weird, I mean <laughs> well, we've we added to, that five thousand, right? But I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think we've added all this stuff on of what housing actually
1: is or supposed to be. But I mean, the basics are pretty consistent, right? Yes, but we do have to recognize that um, it's the rural component. So you're you're in zoning where the population density is low enough that if this, for any reason, there is an issue, it doesn't become a public issue. Your neighbor's issue. And we're still and we're still following the guidelines for, uh, you know, uh, fire protection. Right. We still have right. to provide all the same requirements for being able to access and defend that property in a wildfire. Yeah. Uh, anything that is a, a hard law that says you have to do this, like smoke detectors, that is, that's not in the code necessarily as a law, you have to have that. So, okay, provide those. But it gives you a lot more flexibility and it allows you to build over time and, and it isn't limited to a house. You can use this for hunting lodges, you can use this for uh, garages and sheds got it anything that is intended to be used by the owner and their family it can't be employee housing it can't right. be you know any anything you're not putting risk on somebody else because of your decisions right, right. It, there's, yes. a, there's a very important line and that line is as soon as you become the steward of someone else's life you right. have a responsibility yes, to you you protect do. them and that's where the line is and and. It could be argued that that should be the line every time your personal decisions and the risks you take are your own and then we move to educating you to make those decisions right but as soon as you become a steward of someone else's life and safety, we're here to make sure you hold that line uh, fair uh, fair to say I would think
0: yeah um one of the things I think is it kind of ties into our rural area and even some of the fire stuff that we talked to you know is is traditionally, if somebody was going to even, say, mill their own lumber on their own property, in many ways, that's not legal because it's not as a stamped as an engineer of a tested product, right? Mm. Doesn't that open up at least people to be able to utilize some of the resources that they have on their own, you know, I mean, do, I mean, I guess I'm probably explaining saying that badly, but explaining how it can they can they can
1: use some of the different materials as long as it's effective. Well, because the the ordinance allows you to use the codes as a basis right for approval. That means right. it does open the door where the code would normally say you will have graded lumber because right. that graded lumber t- says that it'll meet this span for this size. You can move to okay. We'll go out and look at that lumber that you've milled on site and if it appears to be the same quality, then you're taking the responsibility and you're saying, I'm going to use it. You're gonna use common, in, you know, common design practices for that right. wood. Right. Because that's, you know, once again, going back to the basis, wood frame buildings, there's a, there's a right way and a whole lot of wrong ways. So if you're, as long as you're following the pattern, okay, we can set aside that, that stamp. It also allows people to use all kinds of archaic or ancient building types. So for instance, cob is right. essentially rolled stack mud, right? Um, yeah, so if someone decided I want to reproduce this Victorian building that's been here since 1850, I'm going to study it and I'm going to build an exact replica over here using new products. We have a basis now. We have a baseline of how to design that and make that work. Okay, let's go.
0: And for your department,
1: if you can say historically,
0: this this one's been standing for 250 years, Mm -hmm. then you have a basis for saying that it's not necessarily um, at risk of falling down because we have historical precedent that this worked for.
1: And that's correct. Okay. In addition, that, that, that allows you to do things like utilize an expert in the field rather than an engineer. So take Yurts, for example. Right used in Mongolia forever, mm-hmm. right? If we have an individual who is known internationally for the construction of these, you can acknowledge him and work with him on the design and the installation. Got it. So it, it opens the door to a lot, of, uh, a lot of experimentation and a lot of what most people would argue is common sense. Yeah.
0: Um, so it opens the door uh, for, let's say, since we are rural, if somebody can do an owner bu- that whole an owner builder program, right? Isn't that isn't isn't that the
1: the intent? Well, owner builder, um, owner builder is the generic term for I'm going to manage the project myself, and there's some legal. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they could elect to build portions of it. They could elect to act as a general and sub it out, and yeah. and. So it doesn't necessarily mean they're swinging the hammer, but in this case, it literally means, yeah, I, I, I want to do every bit of this myself. And there's, there's no point where we have to mandate that they, you know, they go somewhere else to get an expert unless we find that what they're doing is absolutely dangerous. Which yeah. With wood frame structures, it's almost never the case. Right. So there's a, it, it, it opens quite a bit up for the average homeowner to design and build on their own. A question,
0: now in this day and age of YouTube where everybody can watch a YouTube video that may or may not tell you how to do something, um, let's say somebody is doing going down this path and um, things, different subsystems, like for example, a septic system. I know there's the engineered ones that are a whole different level, but a basic one, the actual components of a septic system are not really that expensive i mean is there a process to where instead of paying you know say they're going down this path and instead of paying the the going rate for doing it is they dig the trenches they install the tank they do the. is that still is that something even feasible i mean if they're willing to do literally everything is what? What's? The, well, I guess I'm asking is what's the line of things that they can actually do and they're not
1: do. Well, you you actually touched on one that is is one of the lines. Okay. Because uh, the the limited density dwelling ordinance and the, and the state regulations mandate that you if you're going to have an on-site wastewater, that's the one thing that has to go through the standard process. So it's
0: still got to go through the standard. Right. Okay. right.
1: So what can you do? You can. Um, you can design the structure. You can install all of the physical components of the structure—the uh, electrical, the plumbing, the mechanical. You can uh, use alternate materials through working with us on you know approval of those materials as a as an equal alternate to what's in the code. Okay. Uh, you can uh, you can utilize family and in and you know, the construction, you can even actually hire experts to come in as contractors and do the work and not lose the status of rural dwelling. Okay. Uh, but the uh, having a legal well and a legal septic or legal water and, you know, liquid waste service yeah. is, a, is a necessity because there is a real danger publicly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it opens it up mainly for the technology and, and the decision making because you could decide uh, to take a lot of things out that would normally be required, you could elect that I'm not going to insulate my walls. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to provide energy efficient equipment. I'm going to heat my home with wood. Right. We could. Right. You know. You could decide to do completely passive. Uh, uh, passive heating and cooling, where the orientation of the house and the design of the house is what keeps it. Cool in the summer and warm in the winter, which yeah. is, is in yeah. many in many temperate regions is the way to go. If you do it right, it's fantastic. And we even have some elevations here where that's possible,
0: right? I mean, certain parts oh, of the county,
1: it's it's feasible. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some pretty savvy people out there that that can, you know, anyone can take advantage of it. But there's some people that really want to experiment in green technologies. Yeah, this opens the door for that. Someone could decide to use recycled products. Uh, there's there's products out there right now that haven't been vetted or approved necessarily. If you haven't seen like the the recycled ocean plastic that looks like giant right. Legos that right. you stack them, right. there's no real regulation for how to do that. It takes a lot of engineering and a, a lot of process for a building official to feel comfortable. Right. But if you go the rural dwelling route, let's sit down with the experts, let's take a closer look at it. You're taking the responsibility on yourself. Now let's Now we're in experimentation mode. How is this building once constructed going to stand the test of time? That actually helps in the development of codes to make these green technologies right. mainstream.
0: And you're even seeing some now on the uh, 3D printed uh, concrete oh, homes, yeah. up, where basically, if people haven't seen it, it's like, it's basically a, a concrete pump that has a path that it follows
1: down the walls and just squirts out a house. I mean, it's... I, <laughs> it, it's, it's a wonderful time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> the technologies out there are just amazing, yeah,
0: um, we're down to five minutes, and if you're gonna let's say you're talking to your twenty five year old self or something like that that's just getting started um, that doesn't that wants to stay in California that wants to you know try to build what would you tell them what would you tell them
1: I'd say find a jurisdiction that shares your viewpoint on uh, on basic rights for the homeowner or the landowner. Find a population base that isn't so dense that uh, you can experiment and be safe in your environment. Yeah. Um, I'd say uh, start small but plan big. Okay. Yeah.
0: And at the end of the day it's still you know it it's it's an individual's. I mean, at the end of the day, you're in charge of your own safety, right? You're in charge of. I mean, it's up to you to make sure that you're comfortable in the area and in the confines of which you you live, right? Isn't that the?
1: Yes, but take full advantage of the resources around you, including yeah. including a, a jurisdiction that's willing to give you the information and show you the way.
0: Right. Um, little little summary on um, the department and except now is how. It, I mean, how is the department doing? I mean, are you guys busy? I mean, is construction busy in Calaveras County right now as far as new homes, new...
1: It is busy. More yeah. track, Less track homes, more... Um, more custom homes, but a lot more accessory dwelling units. Oh, uh, you are starting to see a lot of those. We are seeing a lot of those. Uh, we are seeing that it would have been a lot busier, but the price of lumber has has been notably high, yeah. and that's really yeah. kind of slowed. Is it that down. starting
0: to come back down a little bit?
1: It did for a while, uh, but it it's an unstable market right now. Yeah, uh, but there's a lot of people that really want to take advantage of a rural lifestyle, so we're we're seeing a lot of applications and a lot of people want to head this way and build homes on a personal note, i want to say thank you thank you
0: for pushing this forward because we know that in some ways it would make your life easier to not do it you know sometimes you don't want it to not do it and i think um the fact that you were willing to to you know champion this is is an alternative is i think is is a very valuable thing and thank you I appreciate
1: that. I am am honored to serve.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And thank you for spending time with us. And uh, have a great evening.